Looking to be more nomadic and less traditional? You're in the right place. Broadcasting from Canmore, Alberta, welcome to the Mountain Life Podcast. The stories of life, work, and play in the Bow Valley. Recorded in the E equals MC squared co-workplace with your host, Jason Backdash. Hi, everybody. Jason Beckdash here from the Mountain Life Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It is May 9th, and today on the podcast, I have a very interesting individual. His name is Matt Brosnan. You probably know Matt. Matt's been around for a little while in the Bow Valley. He is the founder of Canmore River Adventures. You should definitely check them out if you haven't. They have a variety of float tours, which he talks about in a little bit more detail on the episode. Matt's an interesting young man, uh, originally from the UK, but has lived in Canada and in the Bow Valley for some time. And this guy is all adventure. He's been a ski instructor. Uh, He teaches wilderness first aid, a rafting instructor, and all of that experience teaching, exploring with others has taken him all over the world. So he's done it not only in Canada and the Bow Valley, but has been in Europe and France and has taken him as far as India. This is definitely an episode you don't want to miss. Thanks for joining us. Matt, I always like starting these um, these episodes and these podcasts just with like a little bit of background on you. And you've covered a little bit of your personal story over uh, the last hour as part of the Lunchbox Lecture. Um, and really cool, sort of like diverse kind of traveling and uh, different experiences and so on from your time growing up in the UK and then coming to Canmore. So maybe just... Give us the highlights of that. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so as you mentioned there, I was born and raised in uh, the south part of the UK on the coast. Um, I finished, you know, education and didn't really know where to go or what to do. Uh, I didn't pursue a degree at that point uh, through the university system. And so I uh, actually came over to Fernie in British Columbia to do a four-month ski development program that eventually got me my ski instructing tickets um, and just fell in love with the mountains, the outdoor adventure industry, um, the people, the, the whole different world aspect of it to growing up in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, the North American culture is very different um, and, and I really kind of bonded quite well with that. Um, you know, I went back onto the UK for a short period. Um, you know, quickly started to realize that my immediate future, at least, was not kind of destined to be in, in the UK. And um, booked a ticket to come back, and also got a job working at Sunshine Village in Banff as a ski instructor. So I put that ticket to use. Um, you know, worked a season here with the intention of doing another six-month uh, ski instructing season in New Zealand, and then doing six months or so of traveling back to the UK and, you know, kind of getting it out of my system and settling down to whatever that life would have looked like. And again, within two or three months, I kind of realized that wasn't really going to be, you know, where I thought I was going. Um, you know, stayed for the summer. And mm-hmm. So many people had talked about just how beautiful summer really was. It's kind of short and sweet, and you've got to kind of wait for it. But... Uh, it's worth the wait, it really is. And, and I was blown away by my first summer here. Um, just the change of color, the hiking, the rafting, the you know, camping, and, and everything around the mountains in the summer. Um, so for that summer, I, I took a rafting course, uh, became a whitewater rafting guide, fell in love with that, and just kept riding that train for another year here in Canada until my visa expired. Uh, went off traveling for about two, two and a half years. 
So, so what year was that when you... Uh, what year was that? Um, I think I left in 2009. Okay, okay. So I'd been here for, yeah, 2007, 8, and into 9. Um, you know, started to look into opening doors with that kind of early guiding career background of uh, what could I do and where could I go. So sure. I went to Australia and worked in outdoor education. Um, I don't know how I got the job really, but it was uh, it was leading uh, three, four, and five day multi day expeditions um, with high school groups and one teacher and a sat phone in your bag and off you went canoeing, rafting, hiking, camping, okay. rock climbing. Um, you know what was really cool about that was I started to get a bit of a kind of uh, instructional uh, backgrounds okay. to. Not just guiding people through cool areas, but kind of, you know, starting to teach mm-hmm. uh, a little mm-hmm. bit and start to kind of develop some kind of skills and understanding with people that, particularly with youth, that was a lot of fun. Um, that was cool. Um, then went back into the rafting scene for a bit and worked in Scotland on some incredibly technical rivers and, and beautiful surrounding areas. Um, did a bit of ski instructing again in Europe. Uh, so I worked in France for a season there. Um, found myself eventually uh, in India, in the Himalaya, uh, working on the River Ganga mm-hmm. uh, up in the north and uh, a huge volume river. Uh, great people, fascinating culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always been a real enjoyment, pleasure of mine to kind of be in cool settings, really great places, and, and do outdoor adventure yeah um you know one thing led to another i had a great time with that during traveling um but i kind of felt i'd kind of hit that expiry point of you know how much longer did i want to keep living out of a backpack mm-hmm. um and, it, and it's one of a few decisions in my life where i can remember that i don't really have a reason as to why mm-hmm. i did it i was sitting in a coffee shop chatting to a traveling friend i'd met for a few weeks and uh, i basically made the decision there i was going to go back to canada uh, that was going to be the place I was going to call home. Um, and so I did. Came back in 2012. I've been here ever since. Never really had any regrets about choosing to call this place home. Uh, it has everything that I kind of really enjoy. Um, and just love being here. That's a cool story. I mean, out of all of the places, I mean, you've traveled more than, than most do in a lifetime. And, and you knew Canada was a place that you'd come back to. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I always, you know, try to remain as humble as I can with the, the conversation around my travels. I feel very fortunate okay. to yeah. be able to travel. Not everyone can. And, yeah. uh, you know, for me, I used work as that vehicle that allowed me to travel. Um, the guiding industry and the outdoor adventure industry is fantastic for that. Um, you know, coming back to Canada, uh, again, no regrets. I love calling this place home. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I really don't know why I picked it. Just something in that coffee shop with that conversation with some random traveler that I'd met for you know just a week or two. And we were hanging out in town, and yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. You, you um, just felt right. I'm interested to to go back to your your upbringing in the UK, and and one of the things you mentioned was your your dad ran his own business for mm-hmm. for a long time as as a baker. Yeah, um, was. Was sort of outdoor culture and adventure like always a really big part of your upbringing, or was it something you kind of latched onto um, on your own? I guess I didn't 
you know, presents as the type of person that was probably going to become a big outdoor enthusiast or a big okay. kind of uh, <laughs> adrenaline junkie. Not that I really call myself that, but I've kind of had my days and years of kind of doing things to some higher levels there with that those kind of sports. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I had a great upbringing in the UK. Um, you know, I had two wonderfully loving parents that worked hard to support us and, you know, we weren't rich, but we never had any kind of wants. I played mm-hmm. lots of sports. I had a younger sister that also kind of got to do dance and sports as well. And I think uh, my family worked really hard at making sure we took one international vacation each year. Okay. Um, being in the UK, you have that great fortune of yeah. uh, many different European countries very closely um, based to you. So, you know, travel is never cheap for a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was achievable, at least. And I remember those vacations. When I was a kid, and I've always had a, a kind of love ever since I can remember for the idea of traveling. Um, yeah, and so you know, I, I, I skied a little bit in uh, Europe when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, when I got to those teenage years in high school, there was the opportunity for us to take a, a one week trip to France. Okay. You know, so you'd catch the, the flight over or the ferry over. And, whole bunch of teenagers on a bus going to a ski resort for a week. <laughs> nightmare for someone to manage, but um, yeah, we had a great, great time, and I remember in high school, that was basically uh, what I, I kind of looked forward to each year, aside from the day-to-day stuff. I got a part-time job and, you know, did the grocery shelf stacking like every other teenager or working a part-time gig. Sure. A lot of it being with my dad in his business as well, and uh yeah, just saved all year long and then blew it all on the ski trip at, uh, at winter time, and and that was about as much as I kind of did huh. in the kind of outdoor industry. I, um, you know, didn't really have any big big background as to why I suddenly came over here to ski instruct, and I had been whitewater rafting once, mm-hmm. um, you know, on some summer trip uh, as a kid before I signed up for the whitewater rafting course here in my first summer, mm-hmm. and then spent two summers here in Canada, whitewater raft guiding, and then traveled over the world with it for the next two, two and a half years. What was it about being on the, on water that really drew you? Like what, when you, when you sort of go back and, and you think about that time where you said, okay, this really resonates with me. What do you think that was? I think the word I would use is it captivates me. Yeah. Um, that's a good word. Like I can, I can literally look at moving water mm-hmm. for long periods of time. I can outlast my girlfriend's patience of you know standing <laughs> on the edge of a riverbank waiting for for us to continue walking or whatever we're doing, and and just looking at tiny little ripples or the way water moves around rocks or features. Um, you know, just the movement of water is is kind of captivating to me, and, and it's. Fluidity, its speed, the sound can be very calming. I can very quickly drift off just kind of looking at river features and, you know, whether it be small or big. Um, and the other thing that gets me is just where the heck does all the water come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know logistically where it comes from. It comes from yeah. glaciers and it comes from sure. lakes and it makes its way to an ocean. But when you stare at a river and you start to picture how much water is flowing past you and where that comes from and that it, and it does that all day long. Yeah, and it's been doing it for hundreds, thousands, millions of years. Yeah, and I, ju- I just, I still can't get my head around where all the water comes from. Yeah, the way you talk about it sounds almost <laughs> a little bit like spiritual, right? 
And I mean, um, yeah. and, and I mean, yeah. I mean, we as human beings, we do have like this connection to water, right? Like, yeah. I mean, even our bodies are what made up of seventy percent water, Something or whatever like the case yeah. is, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're made of it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I've spent time in parts of the world where rivers are not only logistically vital for life. Um, but they are very spiritual too. Uh, again, being in India was kind of the pinnacle of my rafting career, yeah. of being in a place where they, they spiritually value that river so much, where it's so integral to just living, to you know hydrate humans and cattle and wash everything, and you know uh, help further their religion and their beliefs, and um, and of course the rafting and the, the beauty around it. Um, yeah, rivers are really fascinating. The, um, yeah, you know, I think one of the things about travel and, and having the opportunity to do it, and, and I appreciate your perspective on, on being humble and, you know, not necessarily always wanting to talk about your, your travel pursuits and, and experiences, but um, one of the things that I think is great about travel is that it, it sort of gives us a different perspective and a different lens on things, you know, and and as somebody who who is born and raised in the Western world, right, in in North America, like water is one of these things that we always have in abundance. Yeah, and we sort of take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you think about your travel, was is is there sort of a defining moment for you, or was there a you know? Um, I mean, you 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 had that opportunity, uh, you know, to sit down with that uh, friend of yours that you traveled with, or that you met traveling, and mm -hmm. and that brought you to Canada, but. Any other sort of stories or, or sort of anecdotes from, from that extensive travel period? Blanks at the moment. It's, uh, I mean, all of those things know. sort of add up too, right? You know, when you really think about it, which composes who you are. Yeah, you know, you know it's, you're right. We take it for granted. Um, you know, we are very fortunate in this part of the world with so many things. Um, you know, but uh, even Australia, I spent some time in Australia and... Uh, you know, just the droughts and the dry seasons they yeah. go through there. Um, not a country you would typically perceive to be lacking or wanting in kind of mm -hmm. basic human needs, such as water, but and they really do at times, um, you know, within certain valleys and certain yeah. states, uh, depending on water shortages. So, you know, it's, it, I think travel in itself is just something everyone should do mm -hmm. it's not tangible for everyone or achievable but you know making time to travel and, and put yourself in parts of the world where you definitely feel uh, almost like the outsider initially to the culture yeah um, you know that uh, you don't understand everything in this place yeah and that you learn that water is a scarcity in this part of the world or that something else is a really valuable asset that back at home you haven't even thought that that could be so the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I'm just going to take a few minutes of your time for a few reminders. First of all, the podcast is sponsored by E equals MC squared. Wonderful co-workspace in Canmore that uh, is available for people like you and me who want to have a lifestyle where, hey, you know what? You want to take off during the middle of the day. You want to go for a hike or you want to jump on a snowboard and uh, and then hit the computer again and hit the business again and start making money again. Uh, so a great place for people 
like you to plug in. Now, you can check out E equals MC squared in a few different ways. One, come in, check it out. The first day is free. If that's too formal for you, two other ways that you can do it. One, on Wednesdays, we have Lunchbox Lectures. And Lunchbox Lectures is an opportunity for you to learn from other people who are working for themselves, uh, are entrepreneurs, and have figured out a way to not only have that lifestyle, but to make their work work for them. Number two way to plug in, wind down Fridays. So at Friday at about four o'clock, everybody shuts off their laptops and congregates into the equals MC squared living room to chat and discuss the latest and the greatest in the Bow Valley. So don't want to miss that if that's a way that you think is best for you to plug in. So where is E equals, e equals MC? Bleh. It's a formula, but it's also a place of work. Uh, so where is E equals MC squared? E equals MC squared is just off of Railway Avenue, right above the sports experts. And uh, it's just on the second floor there. So uh, you know the place, you know the area. We share a parking lot with uh, the Save On Foods. And uh, yeah, we're just right there in the middle of the action in Canmore. Okay, so I will link the address. I will link the website in the show notes. Make sure you check out the website again, Wednesdays at lunch, Fridays at 4 p.m. Check us out. Hey, and it'd be great if you could work in the same space as I am. Talk to you soon. Back to the show, the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. Matt, let's transition a little bit and talk about your your business. So, um, maybe maybe just talk a little bit about how uh, your move back here and um, from that move back here to actually like launching your own, um, well, your own. I guess you'd call it an adventure tour company, or how would you describe it? Yeah, I yeah. think I think we lean a little more towards uh, you know categorizing ourselves as a. A sightseeing yeah. company. Okay. Um, you know, we we look to try to provide inspiring mountain adventure mm-hmm. um, for guests, and and that begins primarily with our, our scenic floor tour. Um, and it's a product that uh, you know I'll probably expand on in a moment, but is is a lesser known um, adventure activity or activity that you can do in the mountains. It's not quite as iconic as your whitewater rafting. It's not the um, more commonly known activities of skiing in the winter sure. and so forth. Um, you know, I, I came back in 2012. Um, again, uh, you know, after some travel there, I just wanted a place to call home and, and something felt right about the choice to come here. Um, you know, I managed a couple of companies that worked in the outdoor <laughs> Here was Canmore or was it? Uh, it was close to Canmore. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, within the whitewater uh, scene. Okay. Um, you know, put in some some time there, kind of learning the, the higher level of uh, kind of operations management. Um, began to transition a little bit there into trying to find a bit more stability um, with employment. Um, seasonal industry is it's a kind of fantastic opportunity for people to work in, but it has the inherent shorter seasons of spring and fall yeah. where pay starts to dry up and work volume drops. Um, so I got into instructing, um, and a lot of my instructing has been with um, more wilderness-based first aid or medic courses. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of helped me hone that instructional side that I really enjoy, 
uh, very similar to guiding. I find that it's sharing something with people. Um, instructing, it's a little bit more, you know, sharing skills and knowledge mm -hmm. to use wherever they wish to. Again, primarily I say kind of wilderness and mountain-based uh, with guiding. It's just kind of sharing the information um, mm -hmm. of why this area is so spectacular to, to see because of its geology, its wildlife, um, you know, and everything that goes on here. So the two pair really well for me. Um, I enjoy both. Um, you know, and it, it just so happened that, uh, you know, again, another one of these uh, kind of off-the-cuff, random, almost nondescript conversations with a, a friend led from one conversation to another, and we we suddenly realized that uh, there was a, a gap in the market here in Camel for floaters. Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. that it's never been done. There are many rafting companies over the years that have done it, still do it. Um, but at that time, there were no companies that were purely focused on providing floaters. Okay. Um, and, and we saw that as an opportunity to you know, create a business that could, you know, bring guests, you know, to to the river, to the mountains. You know, the, that scenery does the work for us. Mm -hmm. I'm being completely honest, but we try to really bring uh, to life the history of the peaks, the town's culture, the wildlife, um, why that water looks such a spectacular blue color, and the story of the glaciation uh, 10 to 12,000 years ago. And, you know, um, it's something we take a great deal of pride in, you know, sharing. Yeah. Sharing information, letting families share that experience, let guests and travelers share that experience, and it was so close to town. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's one of those things that I think, you know, um, the, the barriers, the barriers are very, very low, right? Like, when you think about it as a, as, we, we have lots of people that come and visit this area, um, but you know, they're going to have to rent equipment <laughs> or they're going to have to like, um, be okay with, you know, um, you know, the rapids if it comes to like what whitewater rafting, but, but a flow tour is like a really, really great way to like <laughs> get your feet wet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In the area. Well, you know, we try not to get it. Right. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, like just with, what a really great way to see another aspect of, yeah of um, the Bow Valley, right? And uh, and it's an important aspect of the Bow Valley too, um, which is different from a lot of those typical ways that people think of um, sort of experiencing adventure or um, the outdoors uh, when it comes to this area, right? Yeah, and, you know, as the idea began to kind of manifest, um, you know, that there was at least an opportunity, um, we started to think about how we're going to do this. You know, mm -hmm. you know how can we explore this opportunity? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we wanted to create a very convenient and accessible, high quality, um, you know, almost underrated experience. Sure. Um, because it is not many people really expect that that's a, a tour or an activity they can do. Um, you know, so we have five departures each day. Uh, staggered every two hours, so 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m. Okay. Um, you know, those tours run no matter the, the number of people that book on them. We don't cancel due to minimum numbers. Um, you know, basically, if a, if a family, a traveler, uh, you know, a couple that are traveling through the area want to go, then we want to take you. Mm -hmm. Because we know mm -hmm. how spectacular it is out there. We know that we can 
exceed the expectation. Not necessarily because the bar is low, but yet it is an unknown field of mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. really do I expect. Still but maturing. We, yeah, yeah um, we really want to surprise people. They're right on their doorstep, here in their time in Canmore and close to Banff, the, you know, with just an hour and a half of your time. Um, you know, and for a very fair price point, we can kind of take you on this really inspiring adventure that everyone can yeah. enjoy. And there aren't many activities where everyone can enjoy the activity together. Yeah. Um, you know, it's no fault of these activities, but some people just don't like the high adrenaline sports. So yeah. some people don't want to go. Um, maybe the grandparents are traveling with the family and they just don't feel comfortable with the more strenuous activities. Um, you know, and then when you're traveling with families, you've got kids that are not the right weight or they're too short for the roller coaster ride. Or yeah, yeah. You know, you've got this whole group of ages and demographics and, and kind of confidence levels. And we started to realize that a float tour was about yeah, yeah. You know, There is basically no limitation. We don't expect for a guest to get wet. They might get a splash on their feet getting in and out of the raft, but even that's minimal. Um, and then you sit back and relax. And, yeah. And the guide kind of brings everything to life. There's some fantastic scenery, wildlife opportunities to see. Um, we really look to try to exceed those expectations each and every time, and, and it seems to be a winning formula. Yeah. My my wife is in the the travel industry, and in, you know she. Uh, well, I mean, her, her job is to send people outside of Canada to go explore the rest of the world. Yeah. But one of the things that, that she's talked about in the past is, is well, or very recently, is that this whole idea of multi-generational travel, right, and activity. Yeah. And I think I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think one, you know, like we have more affluence, I think, from like the the baby boomer generation, right? And and the other thing is, is people's health. I mean, people are staying healthy and active now at a very late age. Um, but at the same time, they're not necessarily going to want to go skiing Black Diamonds, right, with the kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's a really great thing that people can do together. Um, so it really fits that sort of trend, I think, that we're seeing mm-hmm. really globally, right? And there's yeah. a desire for that kind of product, right? Yeah, that definitely is. And, um, you know, those kind of two key demographics being our baby boomers that have the time and the money and the, the physical health these days yeah. to, to travel and still be active. Um, and our millennial crowd that are quite affluent in a lot of cases, <laughs> the ability to travel, and and they want a lot of experiences. Um, that's one of our Instagram photos too, and, and yeah. that kind of ability to share what they're seeing and doing and uh, exploring. Um you know, and, and we love the float tour and here in Camel because it, it allows everyone to get what they want out of their experience. Yeah. Um, you know, for some, classically, the baby boomers, they just want a, want a good quality tour where they can sit back, relax, and be taken care of. Yeah. Um, and our small, um, you know, boats that have eight to ten people in with one private guy that kind of, you know, takes care of every little detail for them, fits that perfectly. You know, families that are traveling, a millennial crowd, um, you know, young kids, there's a lot to think about Mm -hmm. when you're traveling with them. And we want to kind of take that stress off. We want to, you know, pick you up from your hotel and bring you to the river so you don't have to deal with parking and strapping the kids into booster seats. Let us do that. We've got Mm -hmm. booster seats. And what do you pack? What do you bring? Well, we've got it all. you know, we try to take all of those elements out because it's no easy feat planning a vacation in the mountains. 
yeah it sounds yeah you know, glossy and shiny but yeah. uh mom and dad there must be doing a lot of work planning where to go and what to do and timelines yeah yeah, yeah. man i want to just talk a little bit about you sort of personally and i think what your what your time outside kind of looks like these days i mean a really interesting aspect of your story is that you know you sort of you sort of um turned into this like outdoor adventure guy you know like um it's unexpected yeah. yeah which has been which has been uh which is really cool it's cool to hear that right um and uh so so with the with a little which i imagine the little time that you have to yourself like how do you sort of spend that time um you know personally when you're getting to do what you want to do yeah um so it comes in ebbs and flows throughout the sure the year um, seasonal industries have uh you know their challenges in themselves of you know really busy condensed periods of time and lesser periods of times um, for me, it's still just trying to get outdoors and, and try to continue exploring the mountains and, and landscapes around uh, Alberta, not just in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, my partner and I, we have uh, two dogs. Okay. You know, it can be as simple as taking them for a walk down to the river and watching them play in the water, throw sticks, uh, kind of go off the beaten path and explore. We really kind of follow trails and trailheads. We just okay. kind of set off in different directions. And the dogs will lead or will lead. And um, You know, I bought some stand-up paddle boards uh, yeah, a year yeah. ago. Um, again, that kind of connection to the water for me and my partner is really strong. We just love... I, th- I think your kind of mentality and probably even your heart rate slows down a little bit. We can get around water and yeah. really just kind of connect with that or switch off uh, from the outside world. Um, yeah, that's probably mostly it for me. We ski in the winter mm-hmm. uh, as much as we can, uh, snowshoe with the dogs, um, do a bit of ski touring. Yeah. And then are you are you spending most of your time here in the Bow Valley now, or, are you, or is the travel bug sort of biting you again and calling you out? It's interesting you mention that. It's, it's definitely biting me at the yeah. moment. Um, you know, I think without realizing it, I, I probably spent kind of three or four years there uh, after returning to Canada, just, you know, enjoying calling this place home yeah. and kind of trying to find more stability with employment. And, uh, you know, I loved that. And then we, we began the business and that very quickly kind of, uh, you know, creates some natural sacrifices, whether yeah. it be financial, whether it be time, whether For it be sure. the commitment of I can't be out of the country at certain times of the year. Um, you know, to be able to support the business and its growth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, really itching to, to get traveling again. Um, South America. Oh, it's, uh, nice. It's high on my list. At the yeah. Moment. Yeah. What's, what's, what's there for you? Um, glaciers. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of my latest fascination. I've always been passionate about rivers. Um, but glaciers kind of hold that mystery to me of, I mean, I've seen some small ones here in the Rockies. We're very yeah. fortunate to have those, those ice fields and those kind of hanging glaciers still up in some of the mountain valleys around this part that you can hike to and see. But I want to see ice fields. I want yeah. to see whole mountain valleys filled with ice. And uh, yeah, really, it's kind of like the water. Where does it all come from? <laughs> I just I can't get my head around it until I take some kind of a, a heli flight or a biplane flight. 
over a glacial field. Yeah, to me and, it's... And South America seems to have that. Patagonia, down in Argentina, those kind of areas. Yeah, it seems like your your fascination with water and your discovery of it won't end any time soon. I don't soon. think it's going to, no. Yeah. Um, and even if it does, there's going to be a lot of travel between now and then, and, and I already try. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Matt, before we let you go here, I think there's a couple things I want to make sure that we do. Yeah. Um, when the name of your business, so for listeners to find you. Yeah, Canmore River Adventures. Okay. Uh, you can contact us through our email address, which is raft, as in the floating raft, R-A-F-T, at Canmore River Adventures, or canmoreriveradventures.com as our website. Okay, okay. And then uh, for for listeners that want to find out more and maybe book, do, can you book on online or do, do they need to? Okay. Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, a wealth of information on our Canmore float tour uh, that we operate throughout the summers. There are a lot of different package options where okay. we compare our float tour with things like uh, horseback trail rides, oh, cool. chairlifts, wildlife okay. safaris in the area. So we... We pride ourselves on what we do, and we look to work with other businesses that we know do a really good job at kind of continuing that that inspiring mountain adventure. Um, so there's packages online, there's individual tour bookings of other activities too, uh, and that again can be found on our website, okay. CanmoreRiverAdventures.com, and you can book online there as well, okay. or you can give us a call. Okay, and then you said there's generally... Um Five departures a day, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're every two hours starting at nine? You got it. Okay. First departure's at 9 a.m., then we run a tour at 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Uh, they run every day of summer from June 9th this year through okay. September 9th this year. Okay. So we've got a couple weeks still. Yeah. Yeah. We're still about three, four weeks away from opening. Uh, so we've got another week or two of just kind of getting everything in place. Staff training begins uh, at the end of the month where we'll bring together a really fantastic team this year of uh, people that are going to help uh, help our guests just have a great time. Beautiful. Okay, Matt. Thanks a lot. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Okay, and I'm looking forward to my, my, uh, my yeah, float. You better come join it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. Don't forget to rate and review this episode if you enjoyed the show. And you can find more great content online at themountainlifepodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.